Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. According to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, just as it was in the days of Noah. So will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given to marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, in our reading from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the coming of his kingdom of glory. More specifically, he says that before the end of time, people will be filled with carelessness. Yes, contrary to what we might think, before Jesus' second coming, people will be living the good life, uninterested in the end of the world and the hereafter. Referencing the story of Noah and that great flood, Jesus explains that in the days of Noah, before the great and mighty flood, people were blind. They were confident. They were unbelieving. They were ungodly. They were absorbed in temporal things. In a word, they were apathetic. They were apathetic to the warnings of the great coming flood. They shrugged their shoulders to Noah's ark and they went on their merry way, eating and drinking and marrying and buying and selling, planting and building. The point that Jesus is making in referencing Noah is that human nature never changes. Just as Noah's preaching and the building of the ark should have, yes, I repeat, should have been a warning to the people to repent. And be ready for that coming destruction. Well, we too should be ready for the second coming of Jesus. 
And just as the people of Noah's day were apathetic about the coming flood, so too are many apathetic about the coming kingdom of glory. This morning we also heard from the epistle of 1 Thessalonians. This epistle was written to a church in the city of Thessalonica. And as we learn about the Christians in Thessalonica, we find that apathy had struck them as well. Now, we must be very clear at this point. We need to be extremely clear at this point that the people of Thessalonica were not apathetic towards the Lord's second coming. They understood that the end was coming. They understood, indeed, that the end was coming. However, apathy began to take root in their lives in a different form and fashion. You see, the people of Thessalonica, they knew that Jesus was coming back, which is indeed very, very good. However, because of this knowledge of Jesus' second coming, they actually quit going to work. They quit caring about life. They stopped their usual jobs and they became disorderly. The idea of the end of the world, it excited them. It brought an enthusiasm with them. However, their excitement, well, it led them to neglect the duties of life. They gave up on the day-to-day routines. And so, my friends, we can see that both of these examples are opposites. They are ditches that we can fall into regarding the end of time. Indeed, doesn't apathy, doesn't apathy give birth to both of these ditches? Isn't it easy to want to give up on the responsibilities of life because Jesus is coming back? And isn't it equally easy to become so engrossed in life, that the end of time seems to be some irrelevant pipe dream off in the distance. Dear friends, we must guard ourselves from both of these. And we must also pause a moment and keep in mind that we live, yes, we live in between the two great comings of Jesus. You see, behind us, some 2,000 years ago, we have Jesus' first coming, that coming where he came, being born in Bethlehem and put in that manger, living the life that we could not live and dying on that cross and rising for our justification. And so, the cross is behind us. The first coming of Jesus is behind us. But before us, we have the second coming of Jesus, His glorious return. And with his glorious return, we have the end of time, the end of the sinful world as we know it. The second coming will come suddenly. It will be visible like a flash of lightning. The second coming will come and judgment will be enacted on all ungodliness. And the deliverance of those baptized in Christ will happen. But what does this mean, though? Well, it means that we are now living in between the two comings of Jesus. We're living between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And as we live between these two comings of Jesus, we have assurance for what was done in the past, and we have hope of what is to come. Yes, we have assurance from what happened in the past of that cross, and we have hope of the second coming. But as you know, my friends, assurance and hope are easily influenced. They are attacked by apathy. 
You see, we must guard ourselves against the pitfalls of apathy. For example, when we become apathetic like the people in Noah's day, when we constantly prioritize our jobs, our sporting events, our families, our hunting ventures, and our comfort above hearing and receiving God's word, well, we have gone the way of apathy. We have gone the way of the people of Noah's time. You see, when we are too busy and too concerned with life to go to church, to read the word, to hear and to listen and to receive, well, we're in that same boat, or out of the boat, if we will, as the people of Noah's day. We have given way to apathy. On the other hand, if we shirk off our daily vocations and callings because they don't matter, we too are apathetic like the people of Thessalonica. The second coming of Jesus does not grant you and me an an apathetic pass to skip school, to skip work, to skip the needs at home and lay around in our pajamas watching reruns of Family Feud while eating Lucky Charms and Cheetos. Apathy. Yes, apathy towards the second coming of Jesus. And apathy because of the second coming of Jesus are both wrong. They're both sinful. Lord, have mercy on us for our apathy. Now, dear friends, it has been rightly said before that the greatest threat, the greatest threat facing the church in America is not, I repeat, not liberal social justice warriors. It is not perverted sexual ethics. It is not Islamic terrorism. It is not Hollywood agendas. As much of a problem as these are, but the greatest threat to the American church is indifference. It is apathy of Christians. Frankly stated, the biggest problem is in Christians turning an apathetic ear to God's word and sacraments. Keep in mind that the word of the gospel will remain on this earth until Christ comes back again. Hell cannot suppress God's word. God's word cannot be muzzled. No force of nature, no agenda of mankind, and no force of evil can silence God's word. The Lord's word perseveres, and the Lord preserves a faithful remnant. But tragically, As we see from the times of Noah, apathy has a way of turning ears off. Turning ears off from hearing the word. Apathy has a way of making us bored with the sacraments. Apathy has a way of making us roll our eyes towards that, oh, that liturgy. The sin of apathy. It's actually a plague that permeates with which the devil uses to bewitch and deceive us into unbelief, so that the devil can take us by surprise into his claws. Why have so many churches closed their doors? Well, some some doors of churches are closed due to changing in demographics, and others are closed due to the Lord in his sovereignty, removing the church's ministry because of their unfaithfulness, However, a great multitude of churches close due to apathetic ears. Some churches, though, they try to offset these apathetic ears by tickling these apathetic ears. However, mark this, my friends, the tickling only lasts for a season. 
In due time, these apathetic ears will tire of the tickling, which will result in more empty pews. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on our apathy. Dear friends, wake up. Wake up this morning from your apathy. Together, let us repent of our apathy and realize that we not only live and move and have our being with the cross behind us and the coming of the Lord before us, but we also live and move and have our being knowing that the kingdom of God is right here in our midst today, now, right before us. You see, dear baptized saints, Jesus not only died for you 2,000 years ago, and he will not only come back for you someday at some point in the future, but he also comes to you in his word and sacraments in these church services. He comes to you right now in his word and sacrament so that the devil's kingdom may have no power over you, so that the devil's kingdom may be destroyed. He comes to you now to forgive you of your apathy and to grant you the assurance, this assurance that the devil has no right and he has no power over you, that you belong to him, that you belong to Jesus, that you belong to the Christ. He said, the Lord comes to you now so that you may be granted not apathy, but faith. Faith knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ will come back someday to eradicate sin, death, and hell, that you may live forever in perfect righteousness and peace and blessedness with him. You who have ears hear, the Lord saw to it that the gospel, his word would be properly applied to you in your baptism making you a child of the kingdom of light, marking you with the sign of the cross, washing you with all of this forgiveness that he has to give to you. And the Lord sees to it that the gospel is properly preached into your ears and into your minds, into your hearts, so that you might have the assurance that your sins are forgiven. And the Lord sees to it that precious body and blood are delivered to you to strengthen your faith and your love for one another. He does this so that the kingdom will permeate among you. He does this so that you might be his own today, tomorrow, for all eternity. He does this to grant you not apathy, but faith. Faith that clings to Jesus forevermore. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.